This episode of Youth Ministry Booster Podcast is brought to you by Grow Curriculum. See what 800 other churches have learned, that Grow isn't just a curriculum, but a strategy for growth in your ministry. Visit www.youthministrybooster.com on the Curriculum tab to learn how you can get Grow Curriculum and Youth Ministry Booster to boost your entire ministry for 2018. Youth pastors in the know, go with Grow Boosted. Hey everybody, welcome back to a very special episode of the Youth Ministry Booster Podcast. This is the one where we give you a free gift at the end of the episode. It's Christmas in February, March, springtime. It's Christmas in springtime here at Youth Ministry Booster. Uh, Chad Higgins, uh, let's check in with you real quick. We're hanging out talking today because uh, it's the post-D-Now season for a lot of us. And I know that you have been to more of them than anybody. More than Abigail in your youth ministry that makes sure to hit up all the D-Nows across town. <laughs> Chad Higgins, you you have been to, I mean, seven, eight at this point? How many D-Nows have you been oh, at, my friend? I've lost count. I have been at a D-Now every single weekend since the beginning of the year. And yes, um, officially, I... I do not have a D now next weekend. Okay. Um, and so I'm excited about that. I have one more D now until my like D now season of speaking uh, is over. And so they've all been fantastic and they've all been great. Uh, but your boy is tired and I'm done yeah. sleeping in a <laughs> hotel room. Uh, yeah. And so, well. yeah. They all they all smell like La Quinta eventually, man. It's okay. Uh, uh, it's yeah. pronounced La Quinta. La Quinta, that's right. The La Quint. Yeah, it's the 15. Dude, what's, the 15. what is your fate? What is like, you know, mid- Favorite hotel chain? Like mid-level, like hotel, like what do you go with? So I grew up in a family that when dad was buying, when dad was shopping hotels for us, if it wasn't the Hampton, it wasn't happening. Okay. Because my mom, my mom is one of the most wonderful human beings alive. But she is a particular woman when it comes to someone else's place that we're going to sleep. And so uh, for a while, back in the day when the Best Western was king, we did some Best Westerns back in the day. Uh, but, but, but when Hampton broke on the scene, it was, it was, it was Hampton or bust. Hampton or bust. Okay. What about you? I, I feel like the Holiday Inn Express classic, classic. is like it's just, it just feels safe to me like safe choice it is you're it I is. mean you're not gonna be wowed by anything you're gonna get a free breakfast um you know and and it's probably gonna be clean and it's the ham and cheese sandwiches of hotel chains <laughs> you're no you're not glad you got it but you're really glad you didn't get something else yeah no for for me though like it it. It's this like, I don't know, like anytime I go to one of these D-Nows, like, you know, the church books, the place I stay, like there's always a part of me that I'm just like, oh no, right? Like the last thing you want to do is like drive up. The local inn. Right. And like (laughs) outside on the marquee, the thing that they're proud of is like. We've got AC in every room, and you're like, oh, gosh. Right. Premium cable. Yeah, Premium no, it's one of those places. Cable. 
Clean sheets. Uh, no, that's one of those places. Uh, the local places sometimes could wow you because they're nice and they're cozy. But for the most part, my my associative thing is if it mentions the word travel in the name, it's probably not suitable for travelers. So the wayfarer, the roadway, the the highway in. If it, if it actually mentions the fact you are traveling, that's not where you want to stay when you travel. That's just a little rule of thumb. That's fun times. Fun times. My requirement uh, is the hotel I stay in must have halls. Right? Okay. <laughs> no outward facing doors. <laughs> right. Like I know it, nobody needs that. Right. Like except 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 I'll qualify that they have modified some. I stayed one in North Carolina not too long back that used to have outward facing doors that they had slabbed up a wall, so it was a very narrow hallway. Oh. And uh, no, they weren't tricking nobody. They were not tricking nobody. And uh, it was yeah, it was a unique experience that we won't have to repeat in this life. When you have so, to turn your travel on bag sideways to get down the hall, you're in trouble. <laughs> Right. Uh, it's a one way, please. There's no passing. It's <laughs> a one way. You have to wait at the end of the hall for the lady to get down. Go, go ahead. Go ahead. She's checking out. Go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. When the cleaning cart goes through, it's like the cart on the airline, right? Where it's like when the snack cart's rolling down the aisle, like no one gets to get up. Right. No, it's good. That's it. That's how it was. You know, it was, they were coming through to clean and, you know, we had to all wait in our rooms until they were done. So can I, can I ask you an awkward question? <laughs> That's what we're doing this for, right? <laughs> So, because I, I, I find myself in this situation a lot during D-Nows because a lot of the way my schedule will work is, you know, I'll come in on Friday, I'll do a session on Friday, and then wake up Saturday morning, grab breakfast, and I'll have a session Saturday morning. And yeah. then normally, you know, like students will go to like service projects or back to small groups or whatever, and I normally have this like time to kill between like that – Saturday morning session and that Saturday evening session. So I find myself going back to the hotel. Okay. Yeah. Saturdays around one o'clock, the maid service will come cleaning back. hour. Right. Yeah. They'll come back in. And I'm like, normally like, you know, working on my computer or whatever. Yeah. And you know, but I want them to come in to give me like fresh towels and things like that. I always feel like super awkward. Right. I, and maybe it's because I, you know, I've never grown up in a house that had like cleaning service or whatever. So they come in, like I feel obligated to, like, all right, hey, let me help you fix the bed, right? Like, 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 do do I stand up? Do I stay seated? <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Like I, I don't know what to do. Like I'm like, and then I, you know, she's right. in there like cleaning the toilet or whatever. I'm like, maybe I need to go in there and help her, right? Like, uh, no, see, I just leave, man. That's one of those. Like, you just leave. Time, I just leave. Like, go see a movie. Go drink. Go drink coffee in the lobby. Just get out of there. Like, it's like you don't want to see how the sausage is made, right? Because then, like, he just. <laughs> This is better if you don't know. If you don't know, which is which is like I think I think that's one of the things we're talking about today. So the Youth Distribution Podcast, we try to ask the most honest questions in youth ministry, and not just Chad's uh, Yelp reviews or preferences, <laughs> which we could list below. Uh, and I think one of the things we're going to talk about today is is a gift that we've been kind of sitting on for a while, trying to figure out the right season for, and that's the way to navigate a roadmap to grid out making successful change. And I think for so many youth pastors, maybe especially in this season, maybe you're like past the winter camp, the D now, the first of the year stuff, and you're in the valley between like summer activities or things maybe even thinking about for next fall. And there's something in your ministry that you that you that you feel like could be better, could be improved, could be made new or made different. And navigating that change of like I, I want this to be 
more or different or go away. And I think there's there's a process to it, and we don't always know exactly where to put all the pieces. And so, Chad, we've put a tool together that maybe maybe helps kind of guide folks through making changes in the most successful way possible. Because I know for a lot of our youth ministry friends, they go about changing things, and either the change doesn't get made, or it gets so diluted it doesn't feel like a change, or or it ends up being a not successful change. Like they have this great idea, and they like voice it, and then it like kind of comes back either on deaf ears, or it doesn't make the effective turnabout that they're hoping for. And so maybe we could talk a little bit about that, about that today, and then kind of get into the tool itself. Yeah, absolutely. And and so um, hopefully, if you you know you're listening to this, we we want to encourage you to go and download. Um, this PDF file, and and so y- there will be links in the in and show notes below. Show notes below, um, and then you'll also be able to get that off of our you know our social media stuff and those kind of things. We'll have links to it as well. Um, but we want you to to check out this. And when we say you know booster success grid, um, really what we're talking about is walking through change, right? Success, right? In change. Um, and so you're going to change is a process, not a switch. (laughs) Correct. Um, and so a lot of what you're going to see on this grid, um, is really learning how to ask and make sure that you are asking all of the questions beforehand, um, that's going to help you navigate this. Right. Cause a lot of times when we, when we we're faced with change, we we see the problem, right. And then we go, well, this needs to be the solution. And right, so right. we want to make sure that we really identify the problem, find ourselves asking all the questions to make sure that we we explain the problem, right? And that we help people walk through that. So um, if you're looking at the success grid, it's it's broken up into multiple different parts. Um, you'll see like boxing or boxes and groups. Uh, the first thing on the top left-hand corner, and so basically the way that you would read, we're going to start with the problem, right? And yeah. so we we recommend you um, that you're going to write this out, right? Write out the problem that you're trying to change, right? Because a lot of times, as weird as it sounds, if we're trying to change something that doesn't have a problem, right? We're gonna get we're gonna get a lot of pushback on that, right? Yeah. Because you have you have things that people just naturally love, or all of those kind of things, and so we need to address the problem, right? And now the problem may not be this like daunting problem. Maybe the problem is um, that this event has just gotten stale. It's still a great event, right. right? But the problem is it's just gotten stale, and so we need to change things up. Or kids aren't signing up for camp early enough. I mean, it may be as simple as, like, we love camp, we're going to do camp, but the sign-up process for us is just, like, why aren't kids signing up for camp like they used to be? And you may find that it may just be the process by which you have sign-ups. And so it, this this is not like, I need to reinvent my entire youth ministry. This is something that it, it, may, it may feel like that after we kind of work through several iterations of this, but there's just something that you have noticed. It's an awareness, it's an attentiveness that, like, for whatever reason, middle school students check out whenever I start teaching. Uh, high school students show up on Sunday but not on Wednesday. That's the problem. And I think kind of naming that in a way and then beginning kind of work it over. So, like, if you just write – I 
leadership or attendance. Like attendance, like is is a problem. That's a fine kind of word to say. But begin to maybe like parse through some of the things related to that, which is what gets us from like the problem, which we will probably come back and rewrite into the need. And I think naming the need helps in many ways for us to go back and kind of rewrite the problem. So they're kind of this like circular effect of like if we know what's wrong, but why it's a big deal, right? Like it's like it's it's not a big deal because this it's a big deal because of that like it's you're not mad because you have less butts and chairs you're mad because if the kids aren't attending you feel like they're not engaging with what's going on and so engagement becomes more of the problem than just an actual like fluid number for attendance and so related to that and this is what the thing i think that helps build the confidence to make the appropriate changes is what if we don't do anything about this? And I think this becomes the important question to ask is if I didn't, if I didn't do anything about this, what would happen? And kind of this like kind of consequence or for all of our debater friends, what are the harms if we don't do this? If we don't have student leadership, if we don't have enough volunteers, if I'm not connected with my parents or if I'm not finding ways to meaningfully speak both truth to my high school and middle school students, what, what could potentially go wrong? Because when folks ask you about why are you making this change, you don't tell them the problem, you tell them the need. And I think for a lot of folks, like if they just hear the problem, they're like, man, you're just complaining. No, 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 no. I'm not complaining. I see a real consequence if these things aren't getting sorted out in a different way. Right. And then the, ne- the next thing that, y- that you're going to walk into is what's been done already, right? Like The history lesson. Yeah, what's, what's out there? You know, uh, a, f- uh, a little while back, we walked through our roadmap. And really, this right. whole thing falls into that discovery, right? Phase, what yep, we're yep. doing here is the discovery phase. And so understanding and knowing if this need or this problem's already been addressed by yourself, or by somebody else, because knowing this is really important when you start t- talking about walking through successful change, because if the previous youth minister before you has already seen the problem, right, communicated the need and tried to make a change and it failed. Then you should know. <laughs> yes, because the minute you try to do it, yeah, you're going to find yourself in a place of like just craziness right um one of the things for us that that i think of um was a a situation that we had with camp the you know the previous youth minister had had uh done a thing where he split our middle school high school um for camp and you know that that had a lot of like love and and there was all of those kind of things going on. And so when we try to do some things to where we, we blended those together, there was some like pushback of going, wait, wait, we've always done it this way and all of those kind of things. And so knowing what has been done in the past, whether it was good or bad is just really, really helpful to know, um, uh, going into these kind of things. Well, I mean, because again, like you were not the first youth pastor there, unless you were, and then congratulations, uh, then you get to help kind of plow up some history. But your church probably has some years uh, and some history of youth ministry. They've tried things. I mean, I think for a lot of folks, you know, th- whatever you're trying has been done, if not at your church, at least at some other church in your area. I mean, this is the helpful benefit of being in a mastermind group, of talking to other youth pastors, because even if it hasn't been done specifically at your church, there are some best practices related to a high school, middle school ministry split, uh, doing camp on your own versus doing camp through a different organization 
uh, having small groups at homes instead of small groups at churches. Some of these things that like may be revolutionary for your church, um, but that have been tried in other places. And so knowing and tapping into the research and the history of that is really key. But beyond just the kind of like empirical study of what's been done, I think, and this is the part that I think is really critical, Chad, is tapping into all the different audiences or stakeholders that are affected by this and should be able to speak into it. And I think this is the difference maker for a lot of folks is I'm the youth pastor. I have an idea. I've identified the problem and I have a, I've also identified a solution and we're just going to do it without filtering it through the correct audiences. And so there's going to be some ideas, changes you want to make. You think, oh, I can just do that myself. Like I'll, I'll pick out different colored chairs. I'll, uh, you know, I'll make sure to get this, you know, new microphone system that we need for things. Or, you know, I'll, I'll just, you know, design the series graphic or whatever. I get it. For some of those things, maybe fine. But if you really want to see success in the changes that you make, you've got to invite all the appropriate parties into it. And so here we've outlined kind of four key areas. The first is your lead pastor, pastors, executive team, senior leadership team. Um, what are their kind of goals, vision, expectations for your ministry? We talk about that a lot on the Youth Ministry Booster podcast that you need to be knowing uh, or in the know for what the expectations of success are churchwide. And a lot of that's guided by your senior leadership. Uh, students, what what do they see as something that would be a fun or inviting or an exciting solution to this? Like if you have a great idea and they think it's hokey or dumb or silly or weird, it may not produce the success that you wanted to in that change. And then parents, like invite parents into this. If you think it's a great idea, but it feels unsafe, right? Like I think for a lot of folks that maybe make a change of like, well, we're going to meet here instead of there. Well, there's some logistics maybe to travel that parents would want to have a say in and know like, well, how my, how's my kid going to get there? Or what, what does that create for me, right? Like if you start having two different meeting locations or two different start times for your meeting, and that makes sense because you want to have more high school, middle school engagement, that's great. But now a parent is trying to figure out, do I have to come drop my kid off twice, once at six and once at 715? Like get their input on that. They may love it or they may hate it. And then volunteers, the folks you need most of all, like are they bought in to how important the need is? And have they also had some chance to kind of poke holes or offer input or give some discernment to the possible solution. Because if it's a problem in your ministry that has a great need or great significance, I guarantee youth pastor, you're not big enough by yourself to make the change and fix it. Yeah. And so once you walk through all these different, you know, uh, audience people and you've talked through what they see as success, all those kind of things, I'm going to point your attention to two more boxes on, on the next row. Now, these may be small boxes on the page, but we all know that in reality, <laughs> they, they are large. Um, and so you're going to see cost and budget here, right? There's a reason that these are two separate boxes, because a lot of times we think of them as one, and let's be honest with ourselves, they're not, okay? And so we need to really look at it and go, what is all of this going to cost? And and think past just um, your initial like project or whatever, but incorporate even in the process like the education of what it may take to like um, get people up to date, right? You may end up having to have 
a lunch with your leaders to explain why you're making a change. All of those kind of things. It may take a coffee meeting with every single leader you have to win them over to this change. That's 595 times how many leaders you have. That is not a direct cost related to the actual thing you were going to buy, do, or build. Right. And so you need to talk, talk through, okay, what are actual realistic costs of this? And then what do I have budgeted? What do I actually have money for? And then you may find yourself going, okay, then we probably need to change this, those kind of things. Because when you start talking specifically about that audience of that lead pastor, if you're able to walk through with them, here's the plan of what's going to cost, those kind of things, you're speaking their love language at that point, right? Um, right, you're, right. you're letting them know that, hey, I've thought through that. And then that's going to get us into this next portion that I want to talk about is the timeline, right? Yeah. That you map out the process that you're going to go through, not just in changing what we're talking about here, but the communication leading up to it, making sure everybody's in the know, all of those kind of things that we're covering our bases and that we're communicating change and not just changing. That's right. Well, and, and establishing maybe some midpoints and milestones, right? Like I think about a lot of things that we think it's either broken or it's fixed, but I got to believe, especially in a relational uh, arena like ministry is, that there's got to be some halfway points. There's got to be some almost there points that are worth celebrating and noting, especially to those audiences of like, see volunteers, we started doing this and we can already see how better, how much better it is. Like we, we moved our programming elements around and our middle school kids are more focused now. Now they're not there all the way, but they're at least more focused now than they were before. And that helps keep the momentum for the change that you're trying to make. And so you may not get the timeline perfect, but at least give Giving enough thought to knowing that it's not going to go straight from broke to fixed. It's going to take a little bit of time and, and giving yourself the freedom to say, this may take six months. This may take nine months. This may take more than just this window of time I have to think about it. And so I need to be able to know that I'm in the thick of it. I can come back to this and say, okay, I'm halfway through what we think it's going to take. And I feel like we're about halfway there. And that's really helpful. Uh, the, the next section that I want to talk through is another great group of questions that we're going to begin to ask ourselves through this process. Um, one of those is church unique resources. So this may tie into what you, you talked about of cost and budget and things like that. Um, but you also may be looking at space, uh, staff, location, those kind of things that as you talk about whatever this change may look like, and we may be talking about a, you know, a, a theoretical yeah. kind of change. We may be talking about a program kind of change. Um, we really wanted to make this to, to fit both of those. And so think through what are the resources that I have available to me? Um, and, and exhaust this, really think through yeah. what do we have at our disposal? You may look around and go, we got a bunch of old ladies. We got a bunch of old ladies that can cook cookies like you've never seen in your life, right? And as weird as it sounds, that may be part of the puzzle that has nothing to do with it, right? And you wouldn't have thought about it until you sat down and mapped it out and realized okay, I don't have a gym, so I don't know how we're going to play dodgeball or basketball, but we have this awesome big field. And if I could just plan some outdoor games in this awesome big field that nobody else wanted to mow, then I'll get these kids to mow this field and boom, we've got an outdoor gym. Or you may not have a gym or a field, but you may have some kind of like church kitchen area or whatever. And so the thing that you thought was going to be the big fun, like physical activity day, maybe the big bake-off. And you may have those old ladies help these young ladies 
bake cookies, and that's how you're going to get more investment of adults in your ministry because you took it out of the classroom, out of the gym, and into the kitchen. And it may totally change everything you're trying to do because you didn't even think about the kitchen being a resource for youth ministry before. Like, pause right now. Have you ever thought about the church kitchen being an invaluable resource to building up your youth ministry? Maybe not. But if you haven't, it might be the thing that unlocks this, or it might be the that closet that's full of great game stuff that you didn't even know you had. Right. <laughs> but whatever it is, every church has got something that's unique to it. And if you don't know it, then do your research, dig into it, and find out. Because there's something that's special about your church, either the people, the place, the property, or the history. There's something about it that is unique and special. Do the hard work, dig into it, and then make this not just a solution, but a unique solution. Yeah. The the next box that we have on here uh, below that is needs of the community. Now, th- this section here, you know, it, it, certain problems that, that we're talking through may or may not apply. But I, I want us to always think through even the things that we do of going – am I addressing the needs of my community, right? Like, because here's one thing that I hope, listener, that you find yourself, if you walk through these change processes a lot and you're constantly leaving this section blank, yeah, that should throw red flags off of, of going, am I changing in the right direction, right? Who are we doing this for? Who are we yeah. doing this for, right? And so this is a, a reminder for us as we're looking through things, evaluating all of those kind of things that, that could, should continue to drive us forward. The next one is my gifts. This goes back to that church unique resources, but looking at herself and go, okay, where in this process do I know that I'm, I'm, uh, this is my wheelhouse? What are areas that I may struggle with? And then finding people to fit in those gaps, right? That yeah. we're, that we're working, uh, smarter and not harder along the way. And the next right. one is what are, what are those challenges, right? Looking through this whole process, what are the big hurdles that I'm going to have to jump over to make this thing successful, right? What are the because things standing half in the, the way? time? If you know what the challenge is going to be, you can take on almost anything. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and so I think thinking through not only like what are going to be challenges in the change, but what are going to be challenges before the change? And so yeah. we can, we can think through how do we navigate those? Here's my big hope for us all. As we walk through something like this, the goal and the purpose is not laying this out so we know like how to hide it <laughs> better, right? Yeah. The the goal is that we reveal everything, we bring light to it, and we're able to face things correctly. That's yeah. what we want to walk into, right? We want to know that the challenges beforehand is this may se- this may upset this this senior adult class because the room that we're now going to try to use for like Sunday morning rec is right next to them right it shares a wall and so we need to have a a plan for how we're going to at least like dampen the sound or schedule it in a way that we're not stepping on their toes specifically <laughs> correct because here's the thing if you've noted if you've seen beforehand that's going to be a challenge the way that you make this not successful is what I think a lot of youth ministers do. They they realize that's going to be a challenge. They do it anyway, and then Thelma, right, is coming knocking on your door yeah. upset. The way we make this successful is we realize that's going to be a challenge, right, when we move to this. 
And so we go have conversations, right, right, with that group and talk to them. Hey, this is what we're doing. Here's the need. Yeah. Here's my challenge. I believe that this group, right, wants to help these middle school students connect, love church, grow in the relationship with the Lord. How yeah. can we do this together so that you can have your group time and that they can have their group time? Because we know that you love these students and we love you guys. And yeah. and so I tell you what, when we rise above that and we start seeing our church members not as opposition, but as people that we love and want to work and with, partner. to reach with, yeah, and to partner with the gospel. Um, yeah, we're going to have complainers along the way. You're not never going to make everyone happy, but um, they're our allies, not our enemies. And so right. we want to understand right. what are the challenges. The final box, what is the solution key? This is where we flush it out. This is the this is how we believe we're going to get to success in this process. So we hope that this grid is super useful for you uh, as you walk through uh, a change in your ministry. And we, I know that things like this have been really, really valuable for me in the past. So thanks for checking it out. Make sure you hit the download link below in the show notes so you can download your copy of the Booster Success Grid and apply it today for whatever the next challenge that comes your way in your youth ministry. And we'll see you back next week.